high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. That's a lot to live up to. So I got to be more approachable than, I don't know, Anderson Cooper. I don't know if I could actually say that, but I, I'll take on the ch- I'll take the challenge. Rich Lowry, editor of National Review, will be my guest at the bottom of the hour. See if he'll have a, pro- a problem approaching me. And of course, we'll take your calls one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. The president's going to meet with uh, his counterpart in Ar- of Argentina. Not bad to start making friends with people again who are going to bed with China and cutting all types of deals. We got the vice president of the United States over in uh, Africa. I don't know if she's just doing a. Uh, a tour or if she's actually getting things done, but we're losing ground in Africa too. So let's hope they're doing their job and the state department is doing something as well. Um, so let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's big three. Number three, Mr. Secretary, you understand that you have a credibility problem with the, uh, with the Congress and with the American people. Don't you? I have unflinching confidence in the integrity of my conduct. Okay, that makes one of us frustrating. That's how I felt watching Secretary Mayorkas lie about something that matters so much in America's future, border security. And he wants us to not believe our eyes as illegals flood through our borders and fentanyl floods in killing tens of thousands of Americans. You'll hear the low lights. Number two. While he's testifying, award-winning journalist, New York Times bestseller, testifying in front of Congress on the weaponization of the federal government, the IRS is knocking on his door, left him a note saying, we'll be back in touch with you after the weekend. Yeah, just like that. You okay with that? Matt Taibbi targeted not just from the Dems for his Twitter files report, but now the IRS too. Related? Of course. Obama got away with it, hence Lois Lerner and the Tea Party. Remember? So singing that song again makes sense, but I am outraged. Number one. What I will say to Republicans in Congress is, what are you going to say to these parents? 63% of Americans said that they want to see gun safety measures. Okay, I know exactly what to say to these parents. Nashville school shooting, massacre aftermath. Dems say it's the gun's fault, as usual. I say let's find out the facts, like what drugs the shooter was on. What was her therapist saying? And what do the parents know? I say she should not have been able to get a gun. How about that? But she got seven legally. What could have ignited the red flag laws in Tennessee? Somebody saying that she was a danger to herself. The parents already on the record saying she should never had a gun, didn't know she had one, texting her friend saying, you're going to hear about me in the news, but basically I'm going to kill myself. Then she called the cops, but it was too late. The friend did, of course. Maybe finding out what the manifesto says instead of saying, I have an idea. Let's start just ignoring the Second Amendment, as the president does inaccurately on a daily basis on what the Second Amendment is. But he's always been screwing that up from day one. Uh, it's been a tragedy. I mean, think about this. Uh, three three-year-olds, nine-year-olds are dead. Three school workers are dead, including a substitute teacher. Evelyn Dickus, Hallie Scruggs, William Kinney, Cynthia Peake, Catherine Kuntz, Mike Hill, all dead because of this woman who was in, in making an effort to become a man, Audrey Hale. Evidently, the family was uh, not for it. So you can imagine the, the stress. Also here, autistic. Okay. Also, armed to the teeth, seven firearms, three used. 
going to tell me as we go back and a manifesto written they won't release. Why is that? We got the video of the killing of the shooter, but we can't get the manifesto of the this uh, mutant's writings. Are you kidding? Corinne Jean Pierre used this opportunity, and I'm sure they put her up to it to attack the gunman. No, the safety. No. How about Republicans? Cut eight. And here's the thing, what we will say, what I will say to Republicans in Congress is, what are you going to say to these parents? What are you going to say to these family members? 63% of Americans, and I heard this poll uh, laid out here on the show earlier today, it's a political poll, said that they want to see safer gun safety measures. They want to see that. That is the will of the people. Okay. They just did bipartisan gun reform. 17 Republicans took a lot of heat in doing it. They looked at some recent shooters, saw that the red flag laws could be enhanced, gave each state incentives to do it, set up a series of standards when it comes to red flag laws. So a divorce situation, you want to get back at your husband or, uh, or wife that loves guns, you could just make up a chart. Different standards and then doing the best you can to make sure background checks are able to stop a would-be shooter like this person who's under therapist care, whose parents thought he was a danger, she was a danger to herself, and who knows what drug she was on, prescription or otherwise. One thing is pretty clear, the cops were unbelievable. Uh, Rex Engelbert and Michael Colazzo, who led the charge, it's, the video's out there, it's pretty amazing. Uh, within 14 minutes, they killed the shooter. Within 11 minutes, they're on the scene. Within four minutes, when entering the building, the shooter is dead. Can you imagine going down a hallway, knowing at the other end, somebody somewhere, at least one person is armed to the teeth and still having the courage to go down without a shield, without a ballistic shield, to get there as fast as you can to protect as many kids as you can and many adults as possible? That, to me, is supreme, uh, supreme courage. But I'm just amazed how everyone immediately says Republicans are guilty because they don't want to take everyone's weapon away. Here's Byron York on Special Report last night. Cut 12. These cops in Nashville were absolutely heroic going in there. All they knew was someone had a high-powered rifle who would try to kill them, and they instead uh, prevailed. And I, I hope it means in the policing world that we'll just never see the tactics that were employed in Uvalde again in another emergency. Yeah, obviously that was an aberration. Everybody waited outside for 55 minutes. Everyone died. People could have been saved. Uh, No leadership, terrible leadership. We know about that embarrassment and also lying about what they did and what they didn't do. I also talked about weaponization of government. Not my words, but the words of Jim Jordan. Everybody said, what are you talking about? What kind of committee is this weaponization of government? Oh, I could tell you. You know, the weapons that aren't used in electing Hunter Biden, the weaponizations that are used in having the FBI harass uh, President Trump through a dossier that was totally fiction used to get a bunch of Pfizer uh, 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 Pfizer warrants to the IRS being used by uh, President Obama's administration to harass Tea Parties so they don't con- uh, reconvene and go back against the Democrats and put them on their heels in the 2012 election. But they're at it again. How else do you explain the IRS knocking on the doors of a journalist, Matt Taibbi, in New Jersey? 
knocking on the door while he's testifying in Washington, D.C. You know that IRS, they got 80,000 new agents, millions of more dollars. Many of the agents can now carry guns. Cut 16. Everything we know about it, Sean, is it's very rare. Yeah, they, they usually call your accountant, call you, first send you a letter. But as you pointed out, while he's testifying, award-winning journalist, New York Times bestseller, testifying in front of Congress on the weaponization of the federal government, testifying in that committee hearing, Democrats are asking him who his sources are, violating the First Amendment, attacking the First Amendment. While all that's going on, guess what? The IRS is knocking on his door, left him a note saying, we'll be back in touch with you after the weekend, on the following Monday. I mean, think about that. Just just a, a normal American, the IRS leaves a note on your door and says, we're going to be back in touch with you after the weekend. Think about what you go through over the weekend. Yeah, it, uh, it turns out they say in 2018, 2021, the tax returns have been rejected because, by the way, he's in uh, due to a refund, identity theft. So they show up at his house. Who's buying that? That is a message. We're all doomed. If they're going after a high-profile journalist like that, it has got no history of working for conservative causes, I might add. one 408 7669 we come back, I did this interview with Senator Tom Cotton about what he did in interviewing and grilling Secretary of Defense Austin, who is totally inept as this administration to watch our back. You're going to want to hear this interview next. Want even more, Brian? Download the podcast at BrianKilmeadeShow.com. Every episode, exclusive interviews on demand. More of Kilmeade coming up. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. So I had a chance to talk to Senator Tom Cotton. It was interesting, but he had a chance to really talk to Secretary of Defense Austin about three major issues, one of which was the balloon. Number two is about the Russia and the shooting down of the drone, how we've changed. And also when it comes to what happened in Syria with our 900 people stationed there being attacked by Iranian proxies. You're not going to believe this. Listen. As soon as we came out of testimony, uh, we began work on uh on uh, crafting response options. Secretary Austin, I don't believe you. I believe that your office specifically withheld notification of this deadly strike against Americans. Right, and they never informed Congress. And we're talking about this uh, this, uh, hits on our bases in Syria. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin grilled on Capitol Hill over disclosure of targeted attacks on U.S. bases in in Syria by Iranian proxies. Those attacks landed the same day. Senators voted down an amendment that would make the Biden administration prove Iran isn't funding these groups. Here to react, Senator Tom Cotton. Uh, Senator, what made you think for sure you didn't believe him? Why, Why were you so certain? Unfortunately, I know how politicized senior ranks of the Department of Defense have come under Joe Biden. Look, the timeline speaks for itself. Iran killed an American, wounded several Americans early Thursday morning Eastern time. Uh, The Department of Defense has a large legislative affairs operation. They're obviously tracking votes on the Senate floor that are directly related to these kind of attacks. Sometimes exactly this attack, Iran uh, and its proxies against American positions. Yet we were not notified of this attack that killed and wounded Americans until 13 hours later. You cannot convince me 
under any circumstances that that wasn't a calculated effort to keep Congress in the dark while we were voting on measures related to exactly this kind of tax. Now, that's bad, but what's really bad is what they revealed about the failure to deter Iran from these attacks. Eighty-three times since Joe Biden has taken office, Iran or its proxies has attacked American positions in the region, and we've only hit back four times. And, and you don't think that, and I'm sure you do, it's all related to the weakness in Iran. It's all the way to the weakness uh, not arming Ukraine. It's all the related to when you hit, get hit 83 times. By the way, they hit us, we hit them, and then they hit us twice, and we've done nothing. That is unbelievable and unfair to the 900 sitting there as sitting targets with, by the way, spotty radar in Syria. Uh, the other thing that came yeah. to light yesterday is this China balloon and the incompetence that was taking place while it flew over our country. Listen to what General Vanderhoek, General Vanderhoek said at the hearing to you guys about his communication, or lack thereof, with Secretary of Defense Austin. The intel community made me aware on the okay. 27th. Did you ever speak with Secretary Austin about this balloon? I spoke with Secretary Austin on the 1st of February. Wait a second. So this went days without the Secretary of Defense communicating about a Chinese spy balloon in our country? Yeah, Brian, uh, both General Van Herc and Secretary Austin have stated that they were aware of this balloon by January 27th. General Van Herc said he didn't communicate directly with the Secretary until February 1. He also, in that hearing last week, acknowledged that he had four aircraft in the air over the Aleutian Islands, armed and ready to take down that Chinese spy balloon, yet he did not get the order to do so. This is very similar to what you see in the Middle East. When China and Iran know that they can do things like target Americans and will only retaliate four out of 83 times, or that we won't take down a Chinese spy balloon when we have a chance uh, over our territorial waters, it only emboldens them to act more aggressively, to put more Americans at risk, to imperil our interests. What we need to do is stand up to these provocations and make right. it clear that they are aligned. We will not allow them to cross. We, these are the Keystone cops in charge. This is worse than I ever dreamed. Lastly, the Russian put, took out our drone, cost us millions of dollars, and you found out yesterday that we have now altered our flight path in order not to aggravate the Russians? This is just a third example of the kind of appeasement we're talking about, Brian. I repeatedly asked Secretary Austin if we had changed the airspace in which we were flying these drones over the Black Sea. He repeatedly dodged the question. I take that as an admission that we have altered it. Remember, Secretary Austin has also canceled multiple ballistic missile tests over the last year because he didn't want to provoke Russia. These tests are known. They're scheduled far in advance. They're notified to Russia. But at every turn, Russia, Iran, China, Joe Biden is scared of his own shadow. That weakness only emboldens our adversaries and risks even more provocative actions. We've had secretaries of defenses that would be too bold and too, uh, and, and too experienced to take any of this. He just seems to be totally incompetent, uh, General Austin, and we're all in trouble because of it. Uh, thanks for your pointed question, Senator Tom Cotton. Thank you. So that was uh, these three things. So as you remember, the, our, our force got hit in Syria. Do you know we hit them and they hit us back? And then they hit us back again, and we didn't even answer them. And we went out of our way to say we don't want war with Iran. Excuse me. They hit us. And they said we don't want war with Iran. They hit us 83 times since President Biden took over in 2021. How is that not weakness? Afghanistan, they said well, most of the stuff was going to be disabled and unusable that we left behind. They refurbished it all. They showed this video of how, how what great shape it is and the quality of product. These uh, pickups, these Humvees. 
and these uh, full blast vehicles that we left behind. Who knows? I'm not even left tanks. I'm not even sure. And now you have uh, the slowdown of delivery of weapons. We're not going to give them F-16s over in Ukraine. You have to figure that China realizes they'll never have it so good as with this guy in office. And we'll never see Americans so timid as with this guy in office. I fear for the people of Taiwan. China just warned Kevin McCarthy not to meet with the president of Taiwan. He was going to visit. He said, no, I'll come visit you. I'm going to be in Central and South America. So he's visiting right now. You better have that visit. He says there'll be ramifications. Well, that's tough. We have relations with him. We've recognized you guys as the main force in China of China. That happened decades ago in the 70s. But we're still going to have relations, economic relations, especially when it comes to Taiwan. What is going on here? I never thought it was this bad. How do you not answer? How do you let that balloon float through? To me, it's just stunning. And Tom Cotton seems to be the only one asking these uh, very pointed questions. So I think that that's uh, uh, that's pretty pretty sad. The other big story that came out: Elon Musk has got a thousand high tech executives and cybersecurity uh, 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 expertise uh, who penned their name to a letter and signed onto a letter saying calling for a total pause of all artificial intelligence for the next six months because it's that intimidating, that revolutionary, and. There's a chance it could go out of our control. That was pretty clear when we talked to Tristan Harris last week. But now Elon Musk is saying with Chatbot GP2, GPT3, and now Ron 4, he's saying what he is seeing is so intimidating and so over our skis in what this AI could do, a worldwide global pause. I've never heard of anything like that. This is not some obscure congressman overreacting. This is Elon Musk leading, saying, I don't know how powerful this is, and we need regulations in case it gets in the wrong hands. When we come back, I'll pose that to Rich Lowry of Nash Review. We will talk about the president, his interview with Sean Hannity, as well as his four major cases. As the vice president of the United States has been ruled by a judge to be forced to comply with this uh, January 6th committee, this Jack Smith uh, also, he's doing January 6th, is doing uh, the Mar-a-Lago Papers. Brian Kilmeade here. talk show that's getting you talking you're with brian kilmeade even elon musk and sam altman have said sam altman's the ceo of OpenAI, um and elon musk you know have said we need regulation for this space think about drugs or airplanes you know if you pick an, if you make a 737 um and you, you you can't just make a 737 some new version of it and then just ship it to the world you have to go through safety checks fda a drug could have unintended consequences it could affect different people differently yeah. we got to test it a little bit first we're not saying don't build AI. We're saying we have to go at the pace that we can get this right. And a letter just went out with over a thousand experts in this area about AI that is so revolutionary, so overwhelming that Elon Musk is leading the charge to say, let's have a worldwide six month pause on all AR research until we can set up parameters and regulations that make sense because this thing could get out of control. It's such a big deal, so unprecedented. Don't blame yourself. If you can't get your head around it, but just note the smartest people among us 
are also struggling with it and in awe and worry about what it could be. Rich Lowry is one of the smartest guys around us, editor of Nash Review. Uh, Rich, what do you think about that letter? I don't even know if you saw it, but the fact that it's written and signed by a thousand leading tech uh, executives. Yeah, I, I may be dumb on this one, Brian, but uh, it seems overly alarmist to me. Uh, I've been I've been wrong before, but that the the idea that AI is going to kind of re- uh, achieve self actualization and ha- have a, have a will the way a human being does seems extremely fanciful to me. Um, and uh, if there if I understood what your intro right, if they're calling for a pause on research, I, I don't know how you would. How would, how would you establish that and enforce that? Um, so that they're worried, you know, sh- sh- is, is definitely notable, and you know, we should have uh, some caution in this area. But the, the the high level of alarm, I think, is is unwarranted. But I'm I'm no expert, so uh, I know even less about this than I do about presidential politics. So <laughs> don't take my word for it. Well you, well, you know everything about presidential politics. Your prediction might be off, but it doesn't mean you don't know everything <laughs> about it. So that's, that's a little different. I know people are the foremost experts on sports. They can't get a bet right. That doesn't mean they don't know a lot about sports. But he's calling these tech leaders to say this is paused a dangerous race to make AI as safe as possible. We do know that AI, uh, we heard Bill Gates say that it is revolutionary as the iPhone has been and as the computer was to society. It changed everything. I think we agree on that. They said that's nothing compared to this. Steve mm-hmm. Wozniak also signed on it, signed on to it. You know, one of the founders of Apple uh, wanted an open pause. And I don't necessarily think these guys need money or want to catch up. Yeah. So uh, we'll see where that goes, um, Berkeley professors. Yeah, you know, one of the, the weird things about we, we think we're surrounded by the, these uh, huge advances. In many ways we are, but at the same time, the, the productivity of the economy has not been growing at a rapid clip, you know, the way it has in other periods of technological advance with the computer revolution or the railroads in the 19th century. So um, I, I think it's coming at some point, but it, it's, it's, it hasn't arrived yet. Of also Sam Altman, its co-creator, said, "You should. I am scared about what this can be, and you should be glad that I'm scared, because somebody else might not feel that way. Uh, mm-hmm. But he knows yeah. the capability." Here's more from Tristan Harris, and then we'll move on to the easy stuff. Cut twenty nine. Should we be scared by the artificial intelligence that's coming down the pike? Um, it is. I think the birth of a different age, and I know that might sound like an extreme statement to make, but I really do think of it like the birth of the nuclear age. And I know that sounds um, like a big thing to say, but when you understand that artificial intelligence means you can have a system that, let's take an example that will resonate with your listeners. If I can say, GPT-3, here's this set of code that's running in Wi-Fi routers in the world. Find me security vulnerabilities in this code. And it can faster than any human could code it, it will immediately find a cybersecurity vulnerability. And when you suddenly realize that it could find cybersecurity vulnerabilities in all sorts of code at scale, this accelerates the development of cyber weapons. A little bit about what it could be. Yeah, and then then someone else is going to use the AI on the other end to develop defenses. Um, 
the the I, I wrote something about this uh, a couple months ago, so I, I read up on it. And there's a very uh, knowledgeable computer scientist out in, I think, um, somewhere in some of the University of Washington State. And what he said is going to happen is we're basically going to use AI to create sort of body doubles for ourselves that that know more about us than than even we do. So you, you want to read a book about Napoleon, it instantly knows what level you read at, what what kind of uh, narrative history you like, and will recommend the single best book uh, for uh, about Napoleon for you. You you want to find a, um, someone to date online, it will virtually date every single online dating profile and find you know the, the five best possible matches for you and and on and on so you know our smartphones do this a little bit for us but it'll just be multiplied you know exponentially i hear you and and the other thing would be uh just when you worry about china you might think china's going to use it for evil purposes but tristan also says china's not too big on this because they do not want to give their people freedom to say mm-hmm. hey what happened at tiananmen square are Uyghurs really being uh, victims of genocide? You know, so right. the rest of the world, how do they view us and not be able to have that control? Because, you know, China does not allow Google, Facebook or, or Twitter or Instagram. No one's allowed on their shores, but they want us to take in t- t- TikTok uh, on our shores. So they might not want that freedom right. and the liberation. So, Rich Lowry, I, I got to ask you, too, about the school shooting uh, that happened, just a tragedy all around, uh, heroic actions by the cops. We all understand that. But I also think that not unpredictable, you have Democrats immediately coming out saying it's Republicans' fault. Probably case in point is Corrine Jean-Pierre, cut eight. And here's the thing, what we will say, what I will say to Republicans in Congress is, what are you going to say to these parents? What are you going to say to these family members? 63% of Americans, and I heard this poll uh, laid out here on the show earlier today, it's a political poll, said that they want to see safer gun safety measures. They want to see that. That is the will of the people. What are you even talking about? Everybody wants to see safety. But we look at this shooter. Should we find out about the shooter? The shooter had seven guns. The parents thought they had none. Parents did not think that uh, did not think that the kid uh, should have any, uh, and thought it was a danger. And the therapist that uh, this this woman was seeing that wanted to be a man that would have been it. The text message to a friend saying this is it. Watch for me in the news is another red flag that should have happened. And then we find out that there was no security at the school, armed security, to stop them before they got inside. Yet it was a rich school in a rich district, and there's tons of COVID money. But let's blame Republicans for not taking uh, AR-15s out. Yeah, I mean, she—it's emotional demagoguery. She's she's acting as if there's some uh, easily passed measure that we all know will stop this, and it's just not true. They they obsess with the AR-15, and they are used in a lot of these horrific cases. But there's nothing magical about the AR. It's a semi-automatic rifle. So if you ban the AR, there, you just be able to use. Other guns for this. Virginia Tech, the worst school shooting in U.S. history, carried out with handguns. So you'd have to ban every semi-automatic weapon in the United States, and that's obviously not going to happen. I think just banning ARs would be unconstitutional. Banning all semis would be completely unconstitutional. And then you have hundreds of millions already in circulation. So what are you going to do about those? Are you going to confiscate them? So it, it's that's a total impossibility. I still continue to believe, and I know this, this can be controversial on the right, red flag laws are, are the, the best means we have 
potentially to do something about this. If you're a parent sitting there worried that your kid is a danger and she shouldn't have guns, tell someone so she can't legally acquire guns. I'm actually not sure whether Tennessee has a red flag law. But they do. They do. But the person's got to be said you've got to be a danger to yourself. Mm-hmm. So this yeah, person obviously so a danger to themselves. Yeah. Um, and the problem is most places where they have red flag laws, no one uses them because you don't want to have your kid adjudicated you know, in, in, in that manner. So it's a hellish problem with no easy solution, and the other side pretends that there is and then throws it in our faces like we want these terrible, heart-rending horrors to happen. And of course, nothing's further from the truth. Right. So the president loves to throw out inaccuracies. I'm not really sure why he gets away with it. Let's listen to him. Cut seven. These are weapons of war. I'm a Second Amendment guy. I have two shotguns. My sons have shotguns. You know, but our states, you know, everybody thinks somehow the Second Amendment is absolute. You're not allowed to go out and own an automatic weapon. You're not allowed to own a machine gun. You're not allowed to own a flamethrower. You're not allowed to own so many other things. Why in God's name do we allow these weapons of war on our streets and at our schools? Well, let's look at this. Never thought, uh, he goes, you don't need, uh, there's rules against cannons. He goes, there's rules against uh, flamethrowers. He says the number one cause of death for children, he goes on to say, between 1 and 17 is firearms. Well, it turns out firearm deaths listed in the CDC logs or unintentional injury shows that out of the 4,552 deaths of children between the ages of 1 and 17, motor vehicles are 2,159 of them. Drownings are 753. Uh, poisonings are 502, suffocation is 212, um, fires 204, transport account 152, firearms 120. I want all those 120 kids alive. But you just got to be somewhat accurate when you throw things out like that. He says in the U.S. you can't own a flamethrower, nor is it uh, and it's illegal to own a machine gun. That's wrong. In the U.S., it's not illegal to own a flamethrower, and it's not illegal to own a machine gun. To own yep. a machine gun, there's a series of things you do. You can own it over the right. age of 21. So he keeps throwing this stuff out, and it makes no sense. Yeah, and you can own cannons. You know, I was at a reenactment last summer. You know, the, the guy took a cannon out of his barn and brought it out in the field and shot it. You know, not, not with r- real ammunition. Um, but the the AR-15 is not a weapon of war. It, it might look like one, but you wouldn't send you know marine into combat with a, a, a semi-automatic that's not particularly powerful. So this is the thing that they're so passionate about gun control, and they know nothing about guns, and they don't care to educate themselves. And we're just talking about how little I know about uh, AI, I know how little I know about guns because I have lots of colleagues and readers who know a lot about guns. So I'm extremely cautious about anything I say and have you know experts yep. check it out, but they don't care. They just make it up and, and say the same wrong things over and over again. Uh, yeah, and they lose instant credibility. A couple of things. Let's talk about 2024. Nikki Haley speaking at a town hall in Salem, New Hampshire, indicated that her former boss is about a quarter of the Republican base calling it a hard 25%. She says there are 75% of other Republicans out there that are looking for a place to be. It's, I'm not about big rallies. You have to go out and answer the hard questions. You have to go out face-to-face. You can't fly in and fly out. I believe the American people want you to earn their vote. I don't think they're going to give it. So what about Nikki Haley? And she points to Jeb Bush and Governor Scott Walker leading the charge at this point, um, I guess it would be uh, eight years in 2016. Well, you know, the uh, the DeSantis people look at it differently. The way they look at it, they think 80% of the party is is MAGA 
basically in their issues, kind of temperament, attitude, and then there's 15 to 20 percent that's more conventional Republicans. So they think Nikki and you know um, Tim Scott, if he gets in, they're fishing in that 15 and to 20, uh, and and you need to be like Trump or DeSantis if if you want to fish in the the much bigger pool. I think that's uh, I don't know the exact numbers where I put them, but I think that's probably a more accurate picture than the way Nikki Haley is portraying it. Now, you know, where Trump, he has um, 30%, a hard floor, I think, of 30 uh, in the early states. Could be higher, you know, but I don't think it's going to be much lower. So if you want to say 70% is open to someone else, yeah, I think that's that's true. But are they open to someone who's a more conventional Republican, or they're looking for someone who kind of reflects the the, the Trumpy changes in the party? I suspect it's the latter. Very interesting. Alvin Bragg is uh, the, the uh, here in New York City. They're not going to have any more grand jury testimony. We don't know what he's doing. Some have postulated that he's waiting for Georgia to go first. Then they got the January 6th case and the Mar-a-Lago case. What are your thoughts on the legal the legal hurdles that remain for Donald Trump? Well, on the brag thing, which it's obviously ridiculous, it seems that the idea that this is legally ridiculous is now being absorbed much more um, by folks left of center. The Daily Beast had a, a very skeptical piece today about this prosecution. So the longer it drags on, it seems the, the less likely it is that he's going to actually pull the trigger, which I think would be a good thing you know, in terms of uh, the criminal justice system and the state of the country and, and everything. But even if Bragg holds his fire, he, Trump's going to get indicted for one or two other things. It seems very likely Fulton County is going to do it, and then even the special prosecutor may, may do a documents charge as well. Fulton County I haven't focused on it as closely as the, the Bragg case. I also think it's, it's a stretch, and it's just a bad idea to indict a former president – First time ever, unprecedented on anything you know less than you know shooting someone in the middle of Fifth Avenue, a clear crime that he knew was a crime and everyone recognizes as a crime. Anything else, I think, is a really bad idea. So, uh, obviously, the post-election stuff is more serious than Storby Daniels, but I'm still dubious that it, right. there's anything. Uh, really let me just tell you, and you've got there. great context here. There's no way he planned to have that that house, the Congress raided. There's no way he didn't do enough to prevent it. Got it. Uh, there's, obviously, there's issues there with security. Understand it. But when you talk to Mike Pence, he's not going to say there was a plan. There mm-hmm. wasn't. He was listening to right. the wrong lawyers and he wanted to hear what he wanted to hear. Uh, none of this should be uh, uh, indictable, but we'll see. Rich Lowry, always great. Thank you. Hey, thanks so much, Brian. All right. I assume you can have, you can have uh, you know, a couple of weeks to have AI to come, come on in my place. Yeah, it, it might even be better than the real thing. We'll see. <laughs> I'm sure it will be. Right. Then real intelligence. Uh, and um, the AI will know more about AI than I do. That's or, for sure. Or the National Review. Thanks so much. Uh, we'll, thanks, uh, we'll pick it up again, Rich. Back in a moment with your calls, one 408 7669 Brian Kilmeade Show. Expanding your knowledge base. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Here's what I learned today. I learned today that uh, either Secretary Mayorkas believes in completely completely open borders or he is not qualified to manage a Chuck E. Cheese. Now, he is not incompetent. He is not an unintelligent man. It is clear to me, after listening to the secretary for about three, maybe four hours, that he believes in open borders. 
And he won't admit it, which makes it worse, which means he's flat out lying. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, I don't know if he's intelligent or not, but he's a left-wing zealot. That's pretty clear. I have a pretty good report. He was going to one of these, uh, one of these uh, press outings. All he wanted to do was meet Don Lemon. He was like a fan. I can't wait to meet Don Lemon. Just like Fauci, I can't wait to meet. Uh, I can't wait to to uh, uh, to meet. What's her name on MSNBC? Can't wait to meet Rachel Maddow. If you die, he goes. I love your show. You're my favorite show. Listen, there's only a certain amount of people that want to meet Don Lemon and Rachel Maddow, and that's what he is, a left wing zealot. Meanwhile, John Cornyn, the most mild mannered senator there is, conservative, calls for him to be fired. Senator Ted Cruz should be impeached. It's not going to happen. But for you to actually swear your name in a Bible and then say you're going to be selling the whole truth and nothing but the truth and flat out lie and there's no ramifications for it, there should be. Hey, go to BrianKillMe.com. If you want to get the real history and you're part of the 36% of the country that's still patriotic, uh, my books are there. I could sign them and send them. BrianKillMe.com. I could actually personalize them, too. Uh, don't move. Brian Kilmeade Show. Big day. So glad you're here. From the Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. We come to you from Midtown Manhattan, heard around the country, around the world. Well, we got two different places for me to get home now. I can go to Grand Central Station or Penn Station. And then I find out at Grand Central with some PBS reporter, this woman just sitting there at 6.30 at night when the train is so crowded, PBS reporter gets punched in the face and knocked to the ground. And it takes two or three stops, people revive her. But it's hard to believe that a crowded subway station, someone could do that and get away with it. But that's what's going on in New York now because nobody prosecutes any crime, especially punched to the face and an assault. Uh, meanwhile, most, pa- most people, Democrats including, including the governor, want to reform bail for bail reform, but the left-wing legislator doesn't. Let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. Mr. Secretary, you understand that you have a credibility problem with the uh, with the Congress and with the American people, don't you? I have unflinching confidence in the integrity of my conduct. What kind of answer is that? Frustrating. That's how much I felt. That's how I felt watching Senator Mayorkas, uh, Senator Secretary Mayorkas, lie about something that matters so much to America's future, border security. And he wants to us not to believe our eyes as illegals flood in and fentanyl kills tens of thousands. The low lights coming your way. Number two. While he's testifying, award-winning journalist, New York Times bestseller, testifying in front of Congress on the weaponization of the federal government, the IRS is knocking on his door, left him a note saying, we'll be back in touch with you after the weekend. Yeah, how is that okay? Matt Taibbi targeted not just from the Dems for the Twitter files report, but now from the IRS, too. Related? Of course. Why? Because President Obama got away with it. Lois Lerner went after the Tea Party. She skated. Number one. What I will say to Republicans in Congress is, what are you going to say to these parents? 63% of Americans said that they want to see gun safety measures. Right, exactly. 
Uh, she's condemning Republicans for the Nashville shooting uh, and the aftermath. Them say it's the gun's fault as usual. I say, let's find out some facts. How about that for a change? What drugs was the shooter on? Why did the parents say, I didn't think she had any weapons, and nor should she get weapons? What about the therapist? Why did they not tell us how dangerous this killer was? I say they should not have been able to get a gun. Absolutely. And the background check should have shown under observation for psychological problems, and the parents let it be known on the background check she's got to be stopped. Instead, she bought seven legal guns, used three of them to kill six innocent people, including three nine-year-olds. Joining me now is Senator Dr. Roger Marshall, Health and Small Business and Energy Committee's uh, member. Senator, welcome back. Brian, it's good to talk to you. You've got a full show, it sounds like. And with you on it, you kicking us off. But first off, on this on this shooting, I mean, they basically are blaming Republicans for the shooting. Are you crazy? Are they crazy? Yeah, yeah, Brian. You, you first of all, we we can't stop and pause long enough and honor the people that died. Um, and the teachers, you know, when teachers went to work, did they think that they were signing up for this type of, of duty? And that's one of the reasons we started a memorial to, to fallen teachers uh, in Emporia, Kansas. So four or five years ago, I never thought we'd be adding so many names to it. So I want to stop and honor those people who are teaching our kids and honor the children whose lives were lost. We, can, we can't lose sight of that. And if I learn anything in life as a physician, it's not to overreact until we get all the facts. Um, I've been committed to making our schools safer. You go back, goodness, five, six years ago, we passed money to make all of our schools safer. I don't know how this person got in exactly. That needs to be reviewed. But the schools in Kansas, I think, have used that money. They pardoned the schools. Uh, We've had legislation that would allow them to use COVID relief dollars to make their schools more safe, to hire some type of an armed guard. Listen, these people that attack these schools are cowards, first of all. If they knew that there was an armed guard in there, they probably wouldn't even uh, attempt this. Can we make our schools uh, harder? You know, what else can we do? Uh, we did this uh, Fix Nicks Act to make getting guns harder. Um, and then I'm going to go back to this mental health crisis that we have in this in this country right now, Brian. And we could talk the rest of the show. But, it, but again, it is just exploding. And at the root of most of these mass murders is a psychotic person that, A, probably needed to be institutionalized, and, B, how did they get weapons? They are the killers. They, who would kill three nine-year-olds? Who would kill a, uh, a custodian, a substitute teacher, and an official pulling a, or a child pulling a, a firearm in order to get emergency help? And the great courage of the cops that took this guy down because of their, their training, including the lead shooter who was a Marine. So to be able to go down a long hall with nowhere to hide and go run there with a rifle and, and kill this, uh, this woman that wanted to be a guy, I think we need to find out what goes on. But that didn't stop uh, President Biden uh, from calling out Republicans again. Cut seven. These are weapons of war. I'm a Second Amendment guy. I have two shotguns. My sons have shotguns. You know, but our states, you know, everybody thinks somehow the Second Amendment is absolute. They're not allowed to go out and own a an automatic weapon. You're not allowed to own a machine gun. You're not allowed to own a flamethrower. You're not allowed to own so many other things. Why in God's name do we allow these weapons of war on our streets and at our schools? The guy got seven guns legally uh, with a woman. And number two is you are able to own a flamethrower and you're on a machine gun. There's a process to doing it in the, right. in this country. So he just keeps saying the same stuff over and over again. Right, right, Brian. Let's put this in perspective. Again, we, I can't lose sight of the loss of these people. 
that died. But meanwhile, 300 Americans die every day from fentanyl poisoning that the president won't take ownership of. As far as what is an assault weapon, I was raised around guns. My dad, a police officer, avid hunter. I've got a 22 rifle that my grandfather gave me, uh, bought from Montgomery Wards. It'll hold. It, 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 I, I'm more, to be honest, I'm more lethal with it than I am the uh, the more high-powered AR, AK-47 AK my son got me for a Christmas present. Um, so I just don't think the president understands weapons at all, and, and that's not the point. This is a political issue to him. Uh, this this is um, this is a personal issue to me. Is getting guns out of the hands of a mentally insane people? Um, you know the drug. The you know it's all tied together. This is not one issue. The position I want to lump all these together. It's the mental health issue that's going on. It's substance abuse, um, and 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 just the tragedy is not lost on me though. Uh, of this school shooting. It's troubling even to talk about. Yeah, Senator Marshall, I know you're introducing legislation that will require big tech companies to take a more proactive role against drug dealers preying on the youth, fentanyl. They're obviously, some of them have no interest in taking more of a a proactive role, but the big tech has to. Uh, Your response, can you expand on that legislation? We'd love to. It's called the Cooper Davis Bill. It's, It's named for a wonderful young boy that lost his life. He and some of his friends ordered two Percocet tablets on Snapchat. Cooper took half a tablet and died. Across the nation, 300 people, that's repeating every day, mostly young adults. In Kansas, we're using Narcan 10 or 12 times a day. What our legislation does is allows forces, the Snapchats of the world, Google, Facebook, whoever it is, to cooperate with police proactively. This legislation, it's bipartisan. Uh, Dick Durbin is, is helping co-lead it with us uh, as well. Um, I, I think that it's a very good chance it's going to get across the finish line. We even modeled this after Joe Biden's legislation from about 2008, where he was doing some you know, issues with human, uh, human trafficking, child pornography as well, forcing the social media companies to cooperate with us. And by the way, Snapchat's been nothing but cooperative with us, as is Google. So um, it's one little piece of the puzzle, but as long as we have an open border, uh, this is one of the tools that we have in the toolbox. I also know you're going out against, believe it or not, Chinese who are setting up police stations inside our country. You're also looking at uh, accountability for those who stole money and defrauded the government out of that COVID money. Uh, People showing absolutely no integrity, some of which the people stealing were outside our borders, which is insane. So I appreciate that. Senator, we had uh, something come down a couple of hours ago. Uh, Elon Musk has gotten a thousand cyber experts together, many high profile names uh, involved in this uh, to say to call for a pause of AI, all artificial intelligence uh, material, things like chat about uh, GBT that's now in his fourth uh, inversion of it. He says it is too dangerous. We don't understand it. And it's uh, it could get out of control. What could you tell us about this? And does a does a letter like that resonate on Capitol Hill? Well, when Elon Musk speaks, it it, has, it does resonate. You know why he's got I think as big as megaphone as anybody in the nation does does right now. Um, but but again, I go back to this mental health issue. What part does AI have in mental health? You think about the way TikTok works; it's addictive, and it's not the only social media that's addictive. Uh, just like pornography is addictive as well. So I think we need to take the blinders off, and it's like vital gain of function. I've suggested 
demanded that we stop biogain of function research till we get our arms around it. Uh, and I would think the same thing. I, I would I'd love to take a pause with this. I think that there is great opportunity uh, with artificial intelligence, machine learning. We're seeing it in so many different ways with technology, conservation, the military. Um, there's incredible opportunities for it. But it does seem like that our knowledge has expanded our wisdom in being able to use it. So, yes, I, I think it goes along with this TikTok conversation. Right. Tristan Harris, who was with us from Social Dilemma, as well as you just featured on 60 Minutes, uh, he's one of the foremost experts in our country. This is what he said about AI. And for those on the inside, it freaks them out. Cut 31. And the reason, Brian, that I'm here in front of you right now, and we've been doing some media, is because people inside the AI companies came to me and came to my colleagues at, at our organization and said, this is moving at a pace that we're not getting it right. It's moving recklessly because right. it's they're now, in, as you said, it's a, it's a corporate arms race for if I don't deploy it to everybody, I'm going to lose to the other guys that will. So they're worried about it being deployed. Uh, China, Russia, Iran, North Korea, they get it could be real ugly. Exactly. And, and Brian, the, the conversation that, that we should have is, is uh, you know, freedom of speech versus you know, controlling some of the, these things. And I know you're a big First Amendment person like, like I am. So we, that's the balance we got to have. I don't have the answers, but I do think, you know, again, I go back to my position training, you know, when in doubt, you know, slow down, get some more information. Uh, it does seem to be out of control. In good hands, it's a great thing, but what we're seeing coming out of Chinese uh, Communist Party right now is very scary. Um, and, and, and just to think that, you know, look, TikTok is part of, CCP is part of the Chinese military, the same way with viral gain of function research. The military in China is using this as well. Uh, we as Americans are just too naive. We, we think that we're a good people. You know, President John Adams talked about the Constitution will only work as if, if you have a godly nation that's, uh, that believes in the Constitution. So we need to take a breath here. I, I'm, I'm all in to, to listen. And if Elon, certainly Elon Musk doesn't know more about this than I do. I'm, again, I'm happy to get a consultation. I'm happy to, for someone to explain this to me. But I can tell you that the mental health of young adults, I've never seen it worse. It's not, it's not normal for young boys to sit there and rather play a video game than go out and go fishing with their grandfather. We, gotta, we need to do something here. Yeah, no, reigning in social media like you did with – vaping, smoking, uh, drunk no. driving. It's possible. We've already shown that. And I think that there's a lot of parents who are willing to fight there and will really push some type of regulation where maybe you hop on a phone like the, like you, the state of Utah is. You cannot use your phone after 11 o'clock and before, um, I'm not sure what, when the cutoff is. I'm not sure if it's 10 or 11 or to be before <laughs> 630 in the morning. It just shuts off and you got to get your parents to have those controls, and there's a way to do it, and I just hope we do it because Britain has done it. Uh, they've reined oh. it in. The EU is working on it right now. We know China is all over those people. They do not get any of this stuff. So, Senator uh, Roger Marshall, do you have medical background? Yes, sir. Yeah, okay. Brian, great to talk to you. I appreciate the, the voice you give us, and, and you do great work. Uh, thanks so much. God bless you. All right, back at you. Uh, meanwhile, we come back. I see you up there, one eight six six. 408-7669. I'll get to your calls next. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. As a woman of color... 
with a six foot two black kid in college and a five foot seven, five foot eight black kid in high school. I don't see that part of American exceptionalism. I'm sorry. I think this country has a lot of problems that could be solved. Yes, maybe they're putting uh, Muslims in jail in Afghanistan, I think you mentioned. And China. China, They're putting a lot of more black people in jail here. can I ask? And so as a woman of color with a six-foot-two black kid in college and a five-foot-seven... Sonny Houston from The View. What an idiot. I mean, she really thinks that any black, white, or American Indian kid or Indian kid or Chinese, Asian, would be better off in another country, go. And number two is the Uyghurs, by the tens of, by the millions, have been rounded up and put in concentration camps. That's what she's comparing two teenage sons to? Are you crazy? Well, you got to be kidding me. Tell me how bad they have it. Please let me know. That's how delusional they are. And these idiots in the audience clapping... Brian, you're listening in Newtown, North uh, Newtown, North Dakota. Hey, Brian. Uh, good morning, Brian. Um, I just kind of wanted to reach out. Uh, really interesting uh, coverage what you have with the AI is- issues and so forth. Does it, does I, it alarm you, Brian, that all these smart people are freaked out by it? Absolutely. Uh, and here's one reason why. I'm a clinical engineer. And uh, the training I first received, uh, what we were doing was actually trying to uh, do a uh, process with EEGs where paraplegics would be able to think, turn the lights on, and lights would come on, feed your dog, so on and so forth. And this was the initial uh, steps into the AI. And uh, what we see is across history, there's various technology advances that they call uh, evolutionary technology uh, evolution. And so you have Stone Age, uh, you know, Iron Age, Bronze Age, uh, Fossil Fuel Age. Everything has advanced human humans in these cases. Well, the next one is the AI. And the by 2035, uh, I know the, the, for the fact what they want to be able to do is interface your, your phone to your uh, cortex. So if you think a thought... Basically, what you have is the ability to almost communicate across the world at any almost instantaneously. So now you're basically hooked up in a net to everybody across the entire globe. So now you're looking at issues with military, your governances, just per, even now all the way down to your personal. Hey, stuff. hey so Brian, that's one, that's what Musk is talking about with Neuralink, right? By implanting those chips in brains, he's looking for some volunteers. So I know I don't want to get too yeah. deep into it, but man, I really appreciate the insight. Let's call back again, please, Mike, WABC in New Jersey. Hey, Mike. Brian, how are you? Good. Um, I forget what school district it was in New Jersey. They tried like an experiment. Well, not experiment. They parked an empty state trooper car in front of their school, and you know they didn't do it anymore. But to me, because the parents got angry because it scared the children. But how about this? Put an empty cop car in front of the school, one behind the school. If you did that the other day with those poor kids over there in Tennessee, you wouldn't have people dead. Hey, Mike, I did some research. I hear you. Listen, could we stop sending illegal immigrants to college and maybe we could get enough money to have an armed guard uh, on these schools? And their goal is to be on the perimeter because they say once they get in school, there's going to be casualties. So get them on the outside. They know how to do it. Talk to some of these security experts. They can do it. It doesn't have that expensive. Cops, if they put in their 20 years or in their 40s, the prime of their career, a lot of them looking for another job. Man, can they you know how satisfying it would be to guard an elementary school for your town? 
Get paid, too, by the way. There's money there. Listen, I see the calls up there. I'll get to them when we come back. I, I do have Vivek Ramaswamy next. From his mouth to, to your ears, ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. They have these new filters, I think, that parents are aware of. These beautification filters, but they've just made them way smarter. So now it's like in real time, it'll it'll re, it'll rewrite the um, uh, the the visual of your face. It's videos of of kids who are like pu- pushing on their lip like this, and it's giving them lip fillers. But in real time, they push their lip in and out, in and out, and it makes it it's it's so realistic. You don't know that you're not talking to that beautiful person, and it can create massive mental health problems for people. And so far as I understand it. Um, ByteDance has shipped that beautification filter to the U.S., but they don't ship that one domestically in China. And that's so much of why you have to, in my view, you absolutely have to ban TikTok. And it's not a matter of a product being better than Instagram. Well, I don't care how much they're lobbying. It's nothing to do with that. If the French or the, or the British came up with TikTok, it stays. Compete. Game on. But we fully have to understand that in every way, China is competing with us. They are our enemy and combined with our other enemies to make it even easier. The only thing they won't wear is a black hat. But we know what they want to do with the TikTok, the same thing they want to do with buying farmland, the same thing they want to do with buying land outside military bases, with the Confucius Institutes, by buying and boarding schools and by uh, buying off colleges. Uh, joining us now to talk about this is presidential candidate himself, Vivek Ramswamy, the 2024, uh, one of the first uh, guys to get in there. He's also uh, Strive Asset Management founder and author of Nation of Victims. Uh, Vivek, welcome back. Good to talk to you, Brian. How are you? So good. Senator Rand Paul came out and said, guys, we're a free market. Let uh, TikTok compete. Do you feel the same way? Because I don't. So here's where I'm at on it. I think that TikTok under the age of 16 is a no-go. I think addictive social media under the age of 16 is a no-go. I also think there are specific national security threats that are specific to TikTok. However, the way this bill is written, and I, I respect Rand Paul and take his concern seriously, I think is too broad. And I think that the, the restrict in act. country – what's that? The Restrict Act. Yes, the Restrict Act, exactly. And so I think that the problem here is what we don't want to do is open up a Trojan horse, as we did with the Patriot Act in this country, to allow for far more government overreach in cases that go even far beyond a case like TikTok. That's not something we want in our country. Rand Paul, I think, puts his finger on that right pulse. But in terms of the broad issue, Brian, you're in the right place. Chinese companies are using Chinese. The Chinese government is using Chinese companies and even American companies as Trojan horses to accomplish geopolitical goals, including data collection. But I think that very narrowly, we can at least start with the addictive features of this app and the dangers it poses to the next generation of Americans to say, if you're under the age of 16, hard ban, no questions asked. And then I think we need a much more narrowly tailored statute rather than one that Unfortunately, they sneak in a lot of governmental authority here on the restrict Act, which I think that we need to actually be very careful about opening that Pandora's box. That, I think, is the heart of Rand Paul's criticism, and I think he has some valid points in there that need to be taken into account. And Vivek, I know I'm not giving you news, but just to share with our audience, Amazon is not allowed in China. They have Alibaba. They just knocked it off. Google, uh, the, the tech giant, has been banned from China since 2010, and other services such as Gmail are effectively blocked by the Chinese government. Facebook, uh, Meta, 
has been out of China since 2009. Instagram blocked by China since 2014. With all this happening, why do we feel obligated to give them access to our population if we can't get access to theirs? So you're asking a great question, which is why I think this needs to be narrowly focused on Chinese-specific apps, right? It can't just be a general blanket authority to the government for general national security concern. I think you're right over the flame there, Brian. It's got to be specific to China. And you're right. What China does is they build a great Chinese wall that stops you from entering the Chinese market unless you really dance to the tune of the CCP. And many American companies, by the way, do. From Airbnb to BlackRock, they do special favors for the Chinese government, including favors that would be offensive to most Americans, like Airbnb handing over the user data of Americans to the Chinese government as a condition for entering the Chinese market. That's how they play that game. And so when it comes to China, we can't be dancing to their tune when they actually are using companies to advance their geopolitical agendas. And so that's why I think we need to narrowly constrict the scope of what we're doing here. It's not a form of protectionism. It's not trying to just be nice to American companies to allow them to compete more effectively in the market. No, it's not corporate welfare. It's a fact of we need to apply the same standards with respect to China that they're applying in reverse or else we're going to be at a systematic disadvantage. So if it's China-specific and it's narrowly focused on how China uses companies to advance their geopolitical goals and we actually use – government authority to say that we're going to stop that here, that I'm in favor of. And I think that this just needs to be rewritten in a way that's actually very specific to that purpose, rather than like the Patriot Act being written far too broadly, which goes on to give government authority to to address or, quote unquote, solve problems that are very different from the one we need to be solving. Yeah, I mean, we could absolutely see the Secretary of Commerce deciding that, hey, you know what, Uh, that Twitter is, it's just too offensive. I think we should ban that. But Facebook is fine. So we don't yeah, want we don't that. want people calling favorites like that. Exactly. Yeah. You you put your you hit the nail on the head. And so we live in a complicated time because it's not 1980 anymore. And so it's not like we can just recite principles of the free market and assume that's going to solve everything because China is part of that free market, so-called free market. But they're actually exploiting it to advance military and geopolitical goals. We have to narrowly address that challenge without sacrificing our principles everywhere else. All right, and Vivek, I got to bring you to a letter that we got this morning. It's headlined by Elon Musk, sound by a thousand cyber experts like yourself, including Steve Wozniak, co-founder of Apple, uh, who say that we have to call, have a six-month pause on AI uh, work, on advancing it. That's how concerned he is about his capabilities and how worried he is that we don't fully understand what we're doing. What about Vivek Ramaswamy? Is that a good move? Would you sign on to that? I haven't seen that letter, so I'd want to see the specifics of it, Brian, but I will tell you that I share the concern. I do share the concern because I think that we're unleashing a genie out of the bottle that we can't put back if we don't know exactly what we're doing with it. And I think one of the great dangers of AI is actually not even the AI itself, but how human beings respond to it. So one of the things even about ChatGPT is that human beings automatically defer as though it's an authority to the questions that it puts on offer. That's one thing if you're talking about converting degrees Celsius to Fahrenheit. It's another if you're asking a question of, say, how to address climate change. Try asking ChatGPT that. You get a one-sided political answer to that question. And so I think that one of the great dangers of AI is actually how human beings are accustomed to treating AI as an authority. And I think when combined with already an increasingly authoritarian form of government here in the United States, that can be a very dangerous toolkit until people actually understand 
what it actually even is. And so, you know, I haven't seen the specific letter that you're talking about there. I've been <laughs> running around on the campaign trail and uh, focusing on a lot you, of issues, travel yeah. the country. But but I share the sentiment. Well, the I mean, there's very few people that can talk coherently uh, on their front foot rather than back foot than, like, than you, especially in the presidential race. And that's why I think lawmakers got to show a degree of humility and say, this is not my area. I got to meet with the experts in order to come up with some guardrails to make sure this this is doesn't get out of control more than the human race has ever seen. So uh, I agree with that. Yeah, you and could be, be a and you could be one of those guys out of the bottle. You can't put it back in. Yeah. So so Nikki Haley came out yesterday and speaking. She says this. There's 75 percent of the Republicans there that are looking for a place to be that the president of this former president has a hard 25 percent. They're going to support him. You have to go and answer the hard questions. You have to go face to face. She will not hold big rallies. She goes, you can't just fly into a place and fly out. I believe the American people want you to earn their vote. I don't think they're going to give it. Do you agree with the percentages? That 25 is going to, always going to be for Trump and that you guys are wrestling over the 75? I don't, I don't agree with that. I reject that framework altogether. And I, I don't like it when politicians are also doubling as political analysts. I'm not a political analyst. I don't try to pretend to be one. I think we should be focused if you're in this race on just speaking truth to the people. I mean, at least that's my approach to the whole thing is I'd rather lose this race but say what I believe at every step than to play some sort of mapped-out analysis of how you're supposed to play snakes and ladders to victory. That's just not the game I'm playing. Now, admittedly, most people who are professional or career politicians, that's the game they play. It's also, though, Brian, why I think it should be a GOP new tradition to nominate the outsider for the White House. Because if you want somebody, it's one thing if you want somebody who's a governor or a senator or a congressman, but the person who leads the United States of America, if you're really going to gut the parts of the system that are corrupt and broken, you're going to have to approach this as somebody who's willing to speak hard truths uninhibited without running them through some political filter or calculus about which part of the base it appeals to or not. That's not how I look at it. I think 100 percent of people in the voter base are open to persuasion and to actually putting – and even the people who call themselves America first, well, I think they actually mean it. I think they believe in putting America first, not Trump first or Vivek first or Nikki Haley first or anybody else. And so the way I'm approaching this is the right way to actually approach the voters is speak truth, share your beliefs unapologetically, be willing to lose if they disagree with what you say. But at least they then get the choice of actually knowing what they're getting in each of the candidates. Our calculus is that is that will be the winning strategy. We'll find out over the next 18 months, but that's going to be the way I approach this rather than through some sort of analytical prism about what to say to which audiences. Vivek, you're, you're dealing with us now. You're getting the word out to a, a national audience about how you feel. So did President Trump earlier this week, sat down with Sean Hannity. And here's what he said about the bankings, SVB, and what's been going on uh, with this forced purchases of the regional banks. Listen. I wouldn't have supported the bailout. Uh, the bank would have to get along by itself, and maybe they could have. What happened with the bank is interest rates went too high. And, you know, I had my own situation with Powell, and I beat the hell out of him. I was not a big fan of Powell. I was rec- he was recommended by some people. I didn't like him. Uh, he's uh, too interest rate happy. What you do is you get the oil prices down. That's bigger than interest rates. The only thing. And what happened is we took an oil and now we take an interest rates. Those banks failed because the interest rates were too high. They stupidly bought long term treasuries. So how do you feel about that? Yeah, well, look, I think that I was the first person in this field that instantly, as soon as they smelled what was coming, said that that was a wrong decision. 
to bail out Silicon Valley. It wasn't just the bank, really, that was bailed out. It was Silicon Valley and the depositors themselves. But here's my view, and this is where my whole candidacy is based on taking that much of Trump's America First agenda. Let's take it to the next level. And I think in many cases, Trump complained about Fauci or complained about Jerome Powell. But here's the thing. If you're the duly elected president of the United States, you're constitutionally empowered to select the people who actually fill those roles, to fire them when they go beyond their constitutionally ordained authority. And so I think the part of the thing that, you know, part of the fact is, Brian, I think Trump went as far as Trump was going to go. But I think if we want to go the distance here, you're going to have to do it with moral authority, with a moral foundation that, frankly, I don't think we've had a president in this country that's actually had since Ronald Reagan. I'm running to actually deliver on that with conviction, with authority, taking on issues that even Trump didn't take on. I mean, you and I have talked about race-based affirmative action on air before. A U.S. president can get rid of it. I pushed Trump's people on why they did not, with the stroke of a pen, eliminate what Lyndon Johnson put into motion by executive order. They said it was a political hill they didn't want to die on. But I think whether it's Fauci or Powell or taking on affirmative action by executive order, here's, here's the irony, Brian. I think we can actually go far further with the agenda than Trump ever did, but to do it with moral authority. And when you do it on a strong moral foundation, you actually unify the country in the process. That's the Ronald Reagan model. But it's not that I just embrace Reagan's policies blindly. I'm not talking about Reagan's policy. I'm talking about the spirit. And I think that's the spirit we're going to bring to the America First agenda, taking this to the next level. And, and I'm confident that over the course of the next year and a half, voters are going to flock to that, and that's why we're going to win this thing. And how do people want to support? If people want to support you, where do they go? Vivek2024.com. So V-I-V-E-K2024.com. And what I tell people is this is bottom-up grassroots. I put an eight-figure sum into this myself. We'll take $1 and $5 donations, right? That's what that, We're happy with that. This is a grassroots movement built bottom-up. Thank you, Brian. All right. Go get him, Vivek. Always great to talk to you. Uh, one of the brightest people you're ever going to meet. Uh, when we come back, I see your numbers, uh, your, your uh, names out there, one 866 We'll get to as many calls as possible and go over the other breaking news. Don't move. It's Brian Kilmeade. A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Massive protest in France. Nine million people on the street. Literally up this in This is about arms. the social security change? Yes. Yeah. And then there's the, the protests in Israel. Enormous protests in Israel. Millions of people on the streets. Yeah. And you're not hearing a f***ing peep about it. All it is is like, January 6th. January 6th. Did you see what they did? January 6th. Trump is coming back. But January 6th looms large. How about the fact that the guy who's the president right now can't form a f***ing sentence? He makes up words and stumbles through things. And no one says a thing about it. And that is Joe Rogan making a lot of sense, 100 percent. And I can't believe the obsession with January 6th. That's why I thought it was crazy for the president to open up his rally, 10,000 plus, and talk about January 6th. Talk about president saying the wrong thing before he says word one about the shooting. Word one. He talks about ice cream. Ice cream. Think about this. Cut six. My name is Joe Biden. I'm Dr. Joe Biden's husband, and I ate Jenny's ice cream, chocolate chip. I came down because I heard there was chocolate chip ice cream. 
By the way, I have a whole refrigerator full upstairs. You think I'm kidding? I'm not. Okay. Do you understand that there was just a mass shooting, which he, in a matter of moments he blamed Republicans for, even though they just did bipartisan gun legislation reform? And that's his first comments. So the next day he comes out with some scripted comments right to the point, blame Republicans, and says inaccurate things that you can't get a machine gun, you can't get a flamethrower, what's wrong with just banning assault weapons? It's got seven guns, uh, uh, all bought legally. The problem is, when it comes to the background checks, there was nobody who said that this woman, Audrey, was undergoing psychological value, uh, psychological therapy because she was clearly uh, a problem. Who knows what was prescribed to her that never made it to the background check, therefore the sales were able to come off. And then he says this, walking into the White House, cut five, listen close. You believe that Christians were targeted? I have no idea. Josh Hawley believes they were. What do you say to that? Well, I probably don't then. Probably don't Oh, I'm joking. Well, I have no idea. What's wrong with him? Absolutely nuts. But Joe Rogan's 100% right. Uh, I know I, I, we mentioned in France, it's not headlines here, but it's probably t- top 10 story. Uh, massive protest in France because they don't want to go for the raise retirement age to 65. I can't believe it. Number one, they, they were upset by the way he did it because he just went by parliament and did it himself. I can't give you the, the tutorial on French law, but evidently he's able to do it. But this is such a big deal because the French don't want to work. All they want to do is live to retire. They're pretty much a socialist country without the authoritarianism that goes along with it. Okay, there you go. That's the major story. Uh, let's go to Vinny, WABC in New Jersey. Hey, Vinny. Hey, Brian. Love the show. Thank you. Listen, all these Democrats for the last three days have been mentioning Republicans are responsible, tighten their gun laws. Not one Republican came on TV and spoke about the little girl who got killed, who pulled the fire alarm to save everybody in that school. The, ch- the teacher who charged this guy to try to disarm him, who unfortunately got killed. That's all they talked about. Trump, Trump, Trump. That's all they're blaming. We need action. You need a federal mandate rather than spending money on these illegal immigrants that come into this country, giving them free phones, free room and board. Use this money to get armed guards in these schools and protect these kids. That's what we need. And, Vinny, you know it because you know that this city has been overwhelmed with almost 50,000 illegal immigrants already taxing a system. Nowhere from the go, winner from the work. we got to house them. They don't like the food. We're sending them to college. It's just a misuse of funds. What about using those funds to harden every school? Everyone. From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. So glad you're here. We're going to do a simulcast. You'll get to see what the studio looks like and me. Uh, And I look great uh, with Harris Faulkner, the Faulkner Focus on FBN. Excuse me, Fox News Channel. And then Kennedy joins us at the bottom of the hour. Uh, she's getting set to host her show, Kennedy Saves the World. Uh, podcast is also out there, too. Her show is Kennedy after her. Uh, we have a lot to discuss today. The, there's a lot of challenges, environmental challenges. We know with the floods that took place, we know that they're asking for more money in California for the torrential downpour. We don't bring up the fact that there's good news. The drought's now over. They're also going to do a big uh, a big overhaul of finding out how oil and gas Companies are gouging California why they pay so much more than the rest of the world. Can you say taxes? We'll discuss all that and more, as well as the challenges on Capitol Hill and in our banking system. So let's get to the big three. 
Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Sponsored by Crunch Fitness. Interested in owning your own business in a growing $30 billion industry? Check out mm-hmm. Crunch Fitness at crunch.com. Number three. Mr. Secretary, you understand that you have a credibility problem with the, uh, with the Congress and with the American people, don't you? I have unflinching confidence in the integrity of my conduct. <laughs> Frustrating. That's how I felt watching Senator Mayorkas, excuse me, Secretary Mayorkas, lie about something that matters so much to America's future and present, border security. He broke it. It's on Biden's behest and on his watch. I don't believe a word he says. Fentanyl is killing tens of thousands of Americans annually, and things are only getting worse. I'll bring you the lowlights. Number two. While he's testifying, award-winning journalist, New York Times bestseller, testifying in front of Congress on the weaponization of the federal government, the IRS is knocking on his door, left him a note saying, we'll be back in touch with you after the weekend. Well, there you go. Uh, Jim Jordan, he's chairman of the weaponization of government panel. And now you know why. Matt Taibbi targeted, not just from the Dems for his Twitter files, but uh, also by the IRS, who was knocking at his door while he was testifying uh, in March. Do you believe this? Why? In my view, because President Obama got away with it, with hence the lowest learner situation, when she was targeting tea parties in terms of taxes and uh, everything else. And that won. And she skated. That's why Biden's doing it. Number one. What I will say to Republicans in Congress is, what are you going to say to these parents? 63% of Americans said that they want to see gun safety measures. They just saw it. They just got it. And, they, and therefore, you want to vilify Republicans for doing it? Nashville school shooting massacre aftermath. Dems say it's the gun's fault as usual. I say let's find out the facts. Find out what drugs the shooter was on. Find out why his parents thought he, uh, he was and she was in balance. Find out why she was seeing a therapist. Why she was a danger to herself ended up killing three nine-year-olds. Blaming Republicans and guns is an insult for all sane people on this planet, many of which are not located in this administration. Meanwhile, Governor Bill Lay weighed in. You talk about the human toll. He knew three teachers in the school, and one of them was his wife's best friend. Cut one. Maria woke up this morning without one of her best friends, Cindy Peake. Cindy was supposed to come over to have dinner with Maria last night after she filled in as a substitute teacher yesterday at Covenant. Cindy and Maria and Catherine Kuntz were all teachers at the same school and have been family friends for decades. All right, so we personalize it. Understand, uh, that's the Governor Bill Lee. So it is a personal tragedy beyond comprehension. Sandy Hook is the only thing that gets close. You have three nine-year-olds killed. One was pulling the fire alarm when she got killed. Do you believe this? A substitute teacher, a custodian, and a and a front office person. So this is absolutely insane. Seven guns this lunatic had. Family didn't think they had any. And you're blaming Republicans? Listen to John Drake, the Nashville police chief. Cut to. We've interviewed the parents of uh, Audrey Hale, and we've determined uh, that Audrey bought seven firearms uh, from five different uh, local gun stores here legally. Uh, they were legally purchased. Uh, three of those weapons were used yesterday uh, during this horrific tragedy uh, that happened. So this needs to be investigated. The manifesto needs to be released. 
The footage is already out. The cops were brilliant and fearless. Courage beyond description, Marine background certainly helped them in two of the cases. So having said that, they just did bipartisan gun legislation to help tighten things up. But you can't make a parent be responsible, a therapist do what they're supposed to do, a friend finding out they're suicidal, call the cops. They did not have the security to harden the target, the ballistic tape, to make sure that glass didn't break or at least delayed. Use the COVID money to harden every single school, big or small. I'm Brian Kilmeade. We'll do a simulcast, and then I'm going to sneak in some calls. That means Harold, Jim, Sarah, it's you when we come back. But first, a TV hit. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. Got a couple of minutes before we get on TV. We're going to talk about this uh, Hunter Biden situation, which I haven't mentioned to you over the last week. But do you remember Rob Walker, the business partner of Hunter Biden? Remember the President Biden said, I don't know anything about my president, my son's overseas business dealings. Well, Rob Walker, remember, Devin uh, Archer, there's a picture of them golfing together. I believe out in the Hamptons when he was vice president. That was a business partner of Hunter Biden. His other one, Rob Walker, appears to have paid the Bidens about a million dollars in the first tranche of records from the Bank of America. That's interesting. One of which just labeled Biden. People wonder, why would you not put a first name on that? Everybody else has a first name on theirs. Then we find out that Rob Walker appears to have visited the White House. At least 16 times when President Biden was vice president, his name resurfaced a couple of weeks ago on the Oversight Committee's investigation. So let me see. Why was Rob Walker visiting the White House? Now, it looks like the president, the vice president, does have an office at the White House. Could that be one of those visits? Was it a get to bring bring your son gets your son gets to bring your friend to work day? Or is it just coincidence? They talk about everything but the overseas business dealings to do with China. In Ukraine and everything else, that looks pretty terrible. So we'll discuss some of that and uh, the other situation with the president of the United States actually brought up his son. Uh, his son came up. Uh, uh, one of the reasons why his son came up is because he says, my son has a shotgun and so do I. How did his son get a background check? He lost a gun. They had to go get it back. The Secret Service did. How did he possibly do that? I might come on a couple of minutes early. You might, you might even have a chance to hear my introduction to Harris Faulkner's show, at uh, which time then afterwards I'm going to be able to squeeze in the call, whether it's Harold, Jim, and over in Jacksonville, Sarah over in Florida somewhere, or uh, Harold over in Raleigh. I'll be able to get to you guys in just a moment. We also are exploring this. A letter was written and headlined by Elon Musk. It was co-authored by Steve Wozniak, co-founder of Apple, to rein in for at least 30 days all AI research until they can come and put up some guardrails. And maybe that's got to come from Congress, but no one's bright enough with the background to do it in Congress. They say Warner's the best, but you got to get in the cyber heads and there. People who are Americans first, geniuses second, and could go ahead and talk about what they know about AI and where the guardrails should be because we have to get ahead of this. We're already ass backwards when it comes to what's happened with social media, how it's infected the minds of two or three generations now, and now we're looking to get a hold of that, much like we need to get a hold of smoking and the dangers uh, that were not even talked about in the 40s and 50s and, and even the 60s. Just in the 70s, you get the package on the warning, uh, warning on the package. And then in the 80s, people say, well, this is a little bit of a problem. Then tobacco pays off everyone to stay quiet. And now in 2023, you do not see any ads anywhere um, and you don't see many people smoking either in schools. So we'll be able to do that and be able to listen to uh, 
talk about these things. So let's listen in now. Let's do a simulcast together. Simulcast TV and radio at the same time. It was 2019 Evanston, Illinois, when it became the first city in the United States to approve reparations for black citizens. And this week, the city council voted to expand that program to include a cash option. The $10 million program initially just applied to mortgages or down payments, help with those. Now, a cash option allows about $25,000 to each black resident who qualifies. I gotta get into that. What does that mean? How black are you? This is, this is unreal. One of the activists behind that program was also asked about the San Francisco proposal to offer $5 million per black resident. How will they pay each resident? I don't know. And, and so those are the challenges that we all have as municipalities. It's not just a matter of paying for it. Critics say reparations won't solve the real issues facing black families. This isn't about black lives or improving the state of black America. It's about black votes. They don't care about the betterment of black opportunity. They don't care about, again, you know, ending this violent crime wave that disproportionately affects people of color in inner cities across America. I am sick and tired of black people being treated like human chattel up for sale to the highest bidder. We deserve more and we should demand more. C.J. Pearson yesterday in focus for the first time. And now, Brian Kilmeade, co-host of Fox and Friends, host of One Nation with Brian Kilmeade and The Brian Kilmeade Show, hardest working man in TV and radio. Let's simulcast. Let's do it. Brian, um, this is more than just about the money. And, and that's going to be big, whether it's California, Illinois, no matter where it is. But it doesn't make any sense. How do you figure out who even gets this money? C.J. said yesterday, others have said you don't have slavery in the country now. You're going to have to test people, basically put them in a discriminatory situation to figure out who's black enough and who's close enough to a slave to get paid. It's unbelievable, Harris, that we got to this point. And I'm not convinced that California never thought they'd get to this point. They just thought it sounded good. But now they got themselves hmm. all set. Uh, they're, by the way, they're in deficit. They have more homeless in San Francisco than maybe any other city in that state. Well, with Nancy Pelosi's influence, she has not delivered for her city. So they decide they're going to look to give $97,000 a year, a cost of $250 billion uh, for the city. If they wanted to do it for the whole state, which is where they're heading, it'll be $800 billion. That is two and a half times what they actually generate. And they're paying for a state that was not involved in the Civil War. Keep in mind, no one's soft-pedaling our past. No one's saying there was right. no 1860 Civil War. No one's saying in 1865 they shouldn't have done more to flood the South with teachers and uh, with security and made the transition with massive education, which Lincoln would have done. Nobody said that the 1870 Compromise wasn't uh, horrific. They gave us Jim Crow. Nobody said the 1960s civil rights wasn't necessary. But in 2023, please explain to me if there's a more successful multicultural country in the world that somehow wants to beat itself up again and write checks on an account where there is no money. Yeah. Uh, explain it to me. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> explain uh, it to who am I talking us. to we're, here? We, yeah, yeah we, we all want to know why you would do that. And, and I understand where we're going here. This eventually comes out of all of our pockets, whether you look like me or not. Eventually, everybody's got to pay because these states, as you said, are underwater as it, as it is, particularly California. They can't pay all of their black residents to the tune of billions. 
That, that's not reality. So that means the whole country has to pay. Somebody explain that to us. It, it makes absolutely no makes sense. no sense for the country. I mean, if somebody is profiting big time off dividing this nation in a way I've not seen, yeah. it's almost like this an outside force forcing everybody to say, you're Italian, you're black, you're Indian. It's called politics. Yeah, and everyone's got a problem. You know, every, everyone's problem. And, uh, and soon it's going to be uh, white people are going to say they have a problem because they're oppressed because they've been blamed too much. We have to get back to a melting pot. Get your Bunsen burner out. Get your pot. Everyone get in it. Let's come together again. Yeah. This is going to do nothing except divide. And believe me, no matter whether it's $97,000 a year or whether it's a $25,000 deposit on a house, it's never going to be enough. Right. And by the way, if you're going to be uh, heating that pot up, can we still use our gas stove? We no, don't have time. Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> it appears that a second Hunter Biden business partner made a lot of visits to the White House. Visitor logs reviewed by Fox show... Rob Walker made at least 16 trips there while, the pre while uh, Joe Biden was vice president. This, of course, backs up concerns about influence peddling. It also casts more doubt on Biden's many claims that he knew nothing about Hunter Biden's business dealings. The president of the United States. I what he was doing. I did not know he was on the board of that company. I've never discussed my business or their business, my sons or daughters. I never discussed a single thing with my son about anything having to do with Ukraine. I've never spoken to my son about drugs. I have never discussed with my son or my brother or anyone else anything having to do with their businesses, period. We now know that when he was vice president, personally approved a response to a 2015 story on Hunter Biden's involvement with the Burisma Energy Company and that Biden family members got more than a million dollars from a Chinese firm. You know what, Brian? We need to ask him those questions all over again. I can't believe that he won't have talked with his son by this point. What else are they talking about? His blow paintings? I'm not really sure. So, Devin Archer, picture another big-time business partner in legal trouble. They, had, they golfed together. Picture of him on the golf course. Now you have Rob Walker visiting 16 times. And Rob Walker, million dollars to the family, 16 visits to the West Wing where he had an office. How could you possibly want to speak to your, your friends, excuse me, your son's business partner and not talk about the Biden business? And we know this. Has anyone ever asked him, do you know Tony Bobolinsky, who was working with Rob Walker? And to your point, on voicemail, a call left on Hunter Biden's uh, laptop, which was his phone, that says, I think we're in the clear about that Washington Post story. Not mm. even in text, but actually his voice. So he has lied. And that president looked down the barrels of those cameras at uh, the day when he debated President Trump. When we was asked, is that your son's laptop? He said 51 intelligence experts says it's classic Russian disinformation. He mm. lied. He knew it was his son's laptop. He knew those emails were real. And he looked at America and he lied. What else is he lying about? Five times. You just rolled the tape five times saying I never discussed five. overseas operations or overseas business with my son. Does anyone watching us right now think he did not lie every single time? Of course he did. What else is he lying about, Harris? Well, I find it really hard to believe that he didn't know about those north of 150 suspicious uh, activity reports that are also about his family.
I mean, I find that really hard to believe. The federal government taking that close a look at you and they don't tell him. Brian, I got to let you go. You're going to hit a commercial right there on radio. Thanks for simulcasting with me. Uh, she ya. knows my clock and her clock. It's amazing. I Thanks, Harris. Yeah, <laughs> sure. She's been on before. That'll do it. Uh, hey, and by the way, yeah, we are just, yeah, we're up, uh, we're up against a, a break right now. But when we come back, Kennedy's going to be joining me in studio. Uh, how much time do I have right now? Uh, I got about... Oh, I got about a minute. Let me try to squeeze in a quick call. Uh, Harold, listen to Raleigh. Hey, Harold. Thank you for taking my call. I was listening to that little excerpt from uh, Sunny Holston. Yep. About her two. About her. How two do you sons. feel about that? Well, news news flash. I'm a black male. My son grew up in Brooklyn, New York. I never had a conversation with him about the police. I had a conversation with him about being respectful to all adults. Period. She compared it to the Uyghurs. It's the same thing as the Uyghurs in the middle of genocide, having their head shaved, mass conversions, and into mass forced labor. She compares that to the black experience in America in 2023. Well, newsflash, Brian. I was a court officer for five years, a cop for 20, and a private investigator for another another 10. Black men make up 6% of the population in this country, commit over 51% of the homicides. And who do you think is shooting black people? They're not white supremacists. They're not skinheads. So if she's so uptight about being in this country she she needs to leave thanks for what you do harold thanks for your perspective kennedy when we come back the more you listen the more you'll know, it's Brian Kilmeade. Yeah, uh, welcome back, everybody. Kennedy's in studio. Uh, you're going to see her at 7 o'clock on FBN tonight, but you're seeing her now. Right. She's also got her, she also has her podcast called Kennedy Saves the World. So there you go. It's popular. I'm still shocked by it. How popular it is. You're I, shocked by your popularity yeah. and, your, and your greatness? Well, Brian, no one's That shocked. doesn't shock you. <laughs> no one's shocked. Okay, I understand. <laughs> So um, I was just on. Uh, you have? Do you? Is it wrong to say where you also have a residence? No, please okay. tell California, everyone. Right? That's absolutely right, Brian. The so, last person there. Okay, I do have some news for you. Mm. You owe uh, black people eight hundred billion dollars. Oh, do they take Amex? Yes, yeah. <laughs> I think they do. But and you know, you don't have to pay it all back. Uh, so there's reparations being passed. I was just shocked that Karis just asked me to do this story. The San Francisco first are in the midst of considering reparations for all black residents. Mm-hmm. They would give them $5 million each, wow. provide an annual income of 97000 mm-hmm. allow them to buy a home for a dollar. Now, is that the same state that is buried in debt and going to go after oil and gas companies for doing oil? Yeah, and- no more gas stoves, no more gas water heater. Right. Do you know how long it's going to take to heat water for a family of four with an electric heater? We shouldn't have kids anyway. People should not have kids. Not in California. Yeah. Can't afford them. Right. Uh, the cost for the plan would be 600000 per non-black resident. I'm going to go to 23andMe and see if I have any African-American or background. Well, I really feel like, I mean, it's like, Lord knows my dad, but. <laughs> you don't know who your dad is? <laughs> I know. I know who my dad is. Oh. But people are always like, how many brothers and sisters do you have? I'm like, oh, God, who knows? Right. I know what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. I know what you're into. Yeah, he had a wild time there for, for a bit. Really? Mm-hmm. Yep. Did he tell you about it or did you read about it? I've heard I've heard some things. Yeah, he, you know, he, he's made some allusions to his past greatness. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I did not know this. I mean, is this something that you've discussed with your therapist? 
I don't need to. Right. He knows. <laughs> I just tell you. Oh, yes. <laughs> and I'll tell the, I'll tell you. Therapist. Exactly right. Yep. All right. Fantastic. Okay. You really kind of brought the show to a stop, but I think I, I, I think this That's is my specialty. Done. I don't think it's a good thing for talk radio to go smoothly. To end the conversation. Right. Uh, that maybe I have to go look at the manual again when I go back. All to right. I'll have an idea. Janitor if closet. You, if you also have a parent mm-hmm. that might have yielded you secret siblings, one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. Would that help you feel better? Yes, or? absolutely. And also, if we, if me and my secret siblings get reparations, like I would just take a percentage because <laughs> ah. I would help them realize those reparations. Right. You do the paperwork. Absolutely right. Right. Yep. So you'll handle all the paperwork. It's like you get you get a letter in the mail. It's like, hey, you have twelve hundred dollars from the government. If you give us twenty percent of that, we will get you a check. Right. I'm tempted to do it. I've never done it, but I do. I bet you there is money for me somewhere. I feel like it's there. I saw I've, people throwing nickels at you when you were dancing on Forty Seventh Street. I thought that was weird. Right. And it was Forty Six. That was <laughs> right. Yeah. Got to get one block away from the building. Yes, one block away just gets it. You know that anytime you mention dancing and me, people know you're lying. Because I will never dance. And I know that's far to you to believe because you were brought up in music. You know this about me. I mean, I was raised on a cruise ship teaching tap to preteens. You know right. how much like music lives in me, Brian. You know, I'm so upset Wikipedia did not list that. So that's where I'm, I'm Because of different. the restraining order. Right. So did you get that letter today? No, not yet. But I haven't got my mail from California. I'm going to be there and taking the girls for spring break in a few weeks. Right. Uh, but though you don't even know the letter I'm referring to. No. Elon Musk has written a letter to all AI innovators mm-hmm. and scientists. Sure. Cease and desist for six months. That's how out of control he believes AI is. Steve Wozniak co-authored it. I'm sure Microsoft didn't because they got Chatbox GBT uh, four now. But. When you have that guy Altman, the creator, come out and say, I'm a little freaked out by it, but you should be happy I'm freaked out about it. And then we had Tristan Harris say the same thing. And Elon Musk penned that letter today. What's going on? See, I I don't know. You and I were on the five talking about this. I'm not as freaked out by it as you are because we are going to reach the singularity probably sooner than we think. It's not going to be a singularity. How would you define that? That's when. Humans and machines meld together. Right. And that's when that's when we start swapping in parts. So I have a family member with early Alzheimer's. And it sucks because you know the road that's ahead of you. And it's really scary. It's scary for someone to start losing their memory. What if there is a piece of artificial intelligence you can plant? And that's what they're doing at Neuralink right now. Plant into your brain that helps you access your memories. Everything you said is great. And intriguing. Thank you. But what does it tell you that they believe that the monster that they're building Mm -hmm. scares them? And it's not because they're excited. I can't see what – know what excites me? When you talk to somebody who's in space and they go, but I can't wait to see what's in another galaxy. All right, let's work on that. It's not – But when they say – when they see chat by – the technology itself. The the technology itself is technology. It is something that is programmed by humans. Yes. They're worried about the humans. That's what they're worried about. They're they're worried about bad people doing bad things. I mean it's the same thing with – Inadvertently. Eugenics. You know, it's like there's a fear that people, because there is technology, will create the island of Dr. Moreau. Right. Um. What about Ebonics? Are people worried about that? No longer. Absolutely not. Good. Uh, I want you to hear somebody smarter than me. And I know what you're saying. Where? How? Uh, Tristan Harris. <laughs> how, how long is the list? Yeah, I was surprised you didn't jump in there and go, is it possible? 
I mean, I, I'm surprised. You, I, I, did you see the I paused? The professor is in. Right. Here's Tristan Harris, cut 29. And, you know, he is the co-founder it's of the It's not Center. Tristan. Is it Tristan? T-R-I-S-T-A-N? Tristan? I, when people. It's not Tristan, unless there's two N's and an E at the end. You know that. Uh, she's wrong. I hate saying to our guests. But when they call themselves, like I call myself Brian. No, you say Brian. I've heard you. <laughs> but if I did, <laughs> you would be forced to say it my way. Yes. Okay. What did you and Carly name the baby? <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen to Tristan Harris. Okay. Cut to a nine. Should we be scared by the artificial intelligence that's coming down the pike? Um, it is, I think, the birth of a different age. And I know that might sound like an extreme statement to make, but I really do think of it like the birth of the nuclear age. And I know that sounds um, like a big thing to say, but when you understand that artificial intelligence means you can have a system that, let's take an example that will resonate with your listeners. If I can say, GPT-3, here's this set of code that's running in Wi-Fi routers in the world. Find me security vulnerabilities in this code. And it can, faster than any human could code it, it will immediately find a cybersecurity vulnerability. And when you suddenly realize that it could find cybersecurity vulnerabilities in all sorts of code at scale, this accelerates the development of cyber weapons. Did you change your mind? No, still haven't changed my mind. All right. Do I give up on this, Allison? Or, I mean, what's going to intimidate her? I mean, what's going, nothing? Nothing, because I know I'm appealing to our robot overlords. Okay? Right. I know this. And Gigantor? They, they have access to all the things we've ever said. They're in the cloud. They're somewhere. They can, if they can access. What about things we haven't said? Oh, they know. They know. They know. But we they haven't... also they know what's in my heart, and they know that that I have big love for our robot right. overlords. I am trying to tell the American public, look out! You never the same say thing anything about like cars. This. They said the same thing about cell phones. And yes, there are downsides to all of the technology okay. that we have. The only fear is that we make human jobs obsolete too quickly okay henry ford never said i'm going to stop making cars for six months to recalibrate what this means because it took so long to make cars but he also said if i ask people how to make a better car they tell me to make a faster horse i don't think he ever said said that that. he did yes because people could not conceive of a car and he was like now watch this watch me now hold my cider because i don't think he drank beer Mm, he, he seems too thin. Yeah. You know, you know who he hung out with? Do you know? John Wilkes Booth. I don't know. No, but it is true that you know, everyone tries to link it to back to the Lincoln assassination. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you trying. But you know, next time, could you just say, I don't know if you don't know? Teddy Roosevelt. Nope. RuPaul. <laughs> Older than you think. All right. Thomas Edison. How about that? That's exciting. Isn't Two it? innovators. Right. Yes. And they never took a pause. They never say, on the electricity... Stop working on because it. They Stop working on the bowl. Because everything was so slow. And, and <laughs> you know, research and experiment took days and months and weeks and years. They couldn't. They could, they could not afford six months. When we come back. Little Abigail would get consumption. And right. Then or, what do you do? And mom Glad- was uh, Gladys, the, the mom. <laughs> yeah. Everyone was saying Gladys. Yeah. Yes. There's no way Gladys didn't have a character. Absolutely not. Do you think, like, there's there's names that come full circle mm-hmm. that are back? I think, do you think Gladys will come back? I certainly hope so. Is that what you and Carly named the baby? <laughs> we'll explain that when we come back. 
Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. You know what? Never never let a gaffe go unsaid when you're Joe Biden. I, the other day he did a, a history, women's history event. And in the middle of it, he said, you know, my sister said that I, I signed the, well, look, I, 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 I always signed the bill by uh, the Women's Advisory Act myself with my own paw. I literally don't know what he was saying. <laughs> So that's Raymond Arroyo, and that he's really quoting accurately Kennedy, our president. Yeah. So it's getting worse. You know that, right? What do you think it's going to be like in two years or in four years? Yeah, I mean, it's it's in out of control. six years, it's going to be insane. But don't worry. They got Kamala Harris there to steady the ship. So after a school shooting, there's so many— I love buses. The significance of the passage of time. The plan. <laughs> so— uh, if, if there's a massive school shooting, they call on the president to speak. And this president was really matched the moment. Cut six. My name is Joe Biden. <laughs> I'm Dr. Joe Biden's husband. <laughs> and I ate Jenny's ice cream, chocolate chip. I came down because I heard there was chocolate chip ice cream. <laughs> By the way, I have a whole refrigerator full upstairs. <laughs> I think I'm kidding. I'm not. And then... He addresses the horrific shooting. Jesus, what is wrong with I mean, with come him? on. And once in a while, look, we're in the air a ton of times. You say something, uh, you, you say something that's funny, and then you have to go to a serious story right after. And, you know, you go, oh, I wish I could do that again. I get it. But this, to me, he knew exactly what was going on Did he? when he came down. He doesn't and, know anything that's going on. But it's, then he, it's wrong. It's elder abuse at this point, this presidency. And Joe Rogan brought it up. Hey, can we listen to the Joe Rogan? Do we have that? Do we have the Joe Rogan from earlier? Listen to this. I just like when outsiders who have nothing to do with it but do have volume on their television say this. Massive protest in France. Nine million people on the street. Literally up This is about arms. the social security change? Yes. Yeah. And then there's the, the protests in Israel. Enormous protests in Israel. Millions of people on the streets. Yeah. And you're not hearing a peep about it. All it is is like January 6th. January 6th. Did you see what they did? January 6th. Trump is coming back, but January 6th looms large. How about the fact that the guy who's the president right now can't form a sentence? He makes up words and stumbles through things. And no one says a thing about it. Is he a conservative zealot? Oh, yes. Right. Who voted for Bernie Sanders? There. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, people are at least, uh, please notice this. Yeah, and it's not it's not a partisan issue. If people were honest about our state of affairs and the state of the union, they would be ringing the alarm bells going, it can't be, it can't be him. He, we can't, it's too dangerous. Let's find out if there's more to know. More to know. Well, this is something the America's talking about, the best male soccer players of all time. Mm. One, you definitely agree with, uh, Michael Plantini. Uh, number four, Lionel Messi. How could he be number four? Johan Cruyff, number three. Mm-hmm. Uh, Diego Maradona. Sure. So far, you, and number two, and number one? Pele! Thank you. And why is that significant? Why is that significant to you? Because my daughter's name is Pele, and I joke with her that if she were a boy, her name would have been Maradona. 
Right. And if she were born last year, she would have been my little Mbappe. And if she, I know a lot of bunch of people when Mia Hamm was hot. messy. <laughs> I understand. Next. Uh, best Girl Scout cookies, according to expert reviews. What would you name the top one to be? Um, the the one that has the caramel and the peanut butter and the coconut. I I don't remember because it's yes. Oh yeah, Samoas. Tagalongs. It's called Tagalongs. No, Samoas. Oh, uh, Samoas. Samoas are the best. I remember them. I have had celiac for thirteen years, so I haven't had a Girl Scout cookie other than the gluten free ones, which taste like cardboard, since twenty ten. Are there celiac fundraisers? Yes, there is a Celiac Foundation, and they raise money for research. What do they do? They just research to try to get Kennedy's celiac free. Yeah, they would like celiacs to be able to eat gluten again or come up with some sort of a cure or something you could take that blocks gluten. What about chromosome therapy or laser surgery? <laughs> is there anything we could do? <laughs> They're going to laser the V-line in my small intestine to keep them at attention. Allison, would you call all doctors? Uh, fi- uh, tri- trifold Start is with five. Dr. Conrad Murray. He's my favorite. Really? <laughs> He's not controversial either. Uh, trifolds is five. Four is dosi dose. Three is Samoas. Two is Tagalongs. One's Thin Mints. Oh, Thin Mints are good. We put them in the freezer. I remember those. Right. And wh- what would that be? That would be a, that'll like be a pop. stoner food, I guess. Right. I guess. Um, these are the worst morning O's ever. One in nine people prefer doing crossword puzzles while on the toilet. Do you know that? Ew. I didn't think so. That was something I really wish was not in there. Doctors warn of, this is true, doctors warn of tech neck as bending down to scroll on your phone could be equivalent to 50 pounds of pressure to it, mm-hmm. staring at your phone for hours. It's true. Americans spend an average of more than five hours scrolling through their phones each day, according to the University of Texas Southwestern. Your reaction, what I'm have you done? I'm smashing my phone like Hillary Clinton and throwing it in the garbage. But is she accused of that or would she do that? Did no, she, she admit to it? She, yeah, she smashed those phones. Right, with a hammer. At the hammer. Was it on purpose? It was angrily. She's right. probably angry at Bill. Have you ever by mistake smashed something and go, ooh. Not even one thinking? time. Really? Nope. Always so been intentional. So are you willing to let me jump to conclusions? Please. She was trying to hide something. Absolutely right. You want to write that down and use that in your hey, show? Boop, boop, Hillary boop, Clinton. Boop, boop, boop. Noted. It's a hit. People can tell in less than five seconds if they like on a new song. Music lovers know when something's a hit. A new study finds it takes less than five seconds. You are a music aficionado. Mm -hmm. Is this true? Yes, absolutely. You know right away if something resonates with you. Sometimes, like, if there's a long uh, musical intro that you got to get to the the meat of the song. Love Stairway to I'm not sure until three minutes. Three minutes it took me. And then you're like, oh, I I dig this rap. My feeling is... On Stairway to Heaven, it becomes a totally different song. Yeah. Right. That's the that's the brilliance of it. Is that brilliant or yeah. is that a lack of focus? No, it's like it takes a while for the drums to come in, and then you're like, I yes, let's take me to the mountaintop. Why, why not make a new song? Robert. Why not make a new song? Well, like, why not start one song and go? They, they allegedly sold their souls to the devil. Right. And, you know, for some hit records, and they got them, so. Not in a long time. Mm-mm. You know, it also uh, strikes yeah, I me. If, if you if there's a statute of limitations. Uh, we are the champions. Uh, no, oh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm-hmm. That's two or three songs. It's a great song. But why not Consider break it? One, up? one of the best popular songs ever conceived and executed. Did you have that idea and they stole it from yeah, you? Yeah, I was. I was a little shocked, frankly. Right. I was like, Fred. You, you said, open. Have you no shame? Right. And it brings you back to that time. It does. Thanks Painful. for going back there. Mm-hmm. So Bohemian Rhapsody originally thought of by Kennedy. That's right. All right. I'm not sure what that last segment. Ask Carly.
Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.